hats. Well, I'm well past the tinfoil hat stage. I need a good helmet for the banging my head against the wall stage. The Kate Daly Show starts now. Just landed in Tucson. This whole waiting room right here, all the way on all sides. Our illegals that have just come through, nonstop guys, nonstop. Joe Biden, Mayorkas, this whole waiting room right here. Illegals heading to Dallas and then to every part of the country. Way to go, Open Borders Democrats. As it's coming everywhere. Unbelievable. And just got to the next gate here. This is all going to Atlanta. Same thing. Vast majority. Vast majority. Illegals coming to your neighborhood. Uh, this is the worst I've seen in Tucson. If you think about it, you and I have to have proper documentation. We have to have our ID, our passport when we come through. But if you're illegal, you just make up whatever name you want, make up whatever story you want, and you get let in. Welcome. Kate Daly Show, last hour on a Tuesday. Hi, Uncle Milty. Hello. And uh, I've got Uncle Milty here, of course, because it's Tuesday. And, of course, uh, I'll be uh, on InfoWars tomorrow and also this show uh, with Melissa and Susan. And um, a couple of things, because we have this great guest with us, and I want to get right to it. But we have weak borders, as was just showcased at the Tucson border. Um, we have uh, airport. We have weak borders. We have uh, intelligence coming out and telling us they have big lapses, big, huge lapses. No big deal. And um, even though we are um, scrutinized and spied on, uh, they know what kind of Pop-Tart you're eating from a satellite. So so how that is, I don't know. Um, but uh, intelligence laps and we're sitting ducks. And so joining us is, of course, uh, the great uh, Jonathan Hollerman, who is the deputy director of the EMP task force. That's a really important uh, role and important guest for us to have on right now in talking about these things. Cause I know you probably heard commercials, go bag commercials. I know that we're kind of in this weird um, state of seeing the ratcheting up of a possible thing happening to us and what that thing would be. And I would guess that that thing would be an EMP, right? So. So this is a really interesting conversation. We'll take your calls in just a minute because there's a couple of things that, that uh, we want to get to real quick. Talk to me, Jonathan uh, Hollerman. And by the way, there's, C- there's CDCs uh, or CDCs. Oh, you can tell I've been, I've been commenting for three years on the CDC. There's CDs. Uh, there's all kinds of um, wonderful things. What's the website, Jonathan, people can go to for more information? Uh, EMPTaskForce.us, and my personal website is griddownconsulting.com. Wow. Um, talk, talk to us about the electrical utility lobby, because this is going to lead us into some other things as well. Sure. A, a lot of times people ask, if this is such a serious threat, then why, why is yes. you know why, why, is, it why is the government doing anything right? Sure. Uh, and they, the answer is, is they can't. Uh, this is a really strange caveat that the one industry in our entire nation that every aspect of human life revolves around and every other industry must have the function is the only and the last industry in America that has no federal oversight. So when you buy a can of peas at the, the grocery store, you eat it mm-hmm. knowing that the FDA is looking into that candy facility. When you get on a plane, uh, you just 
you, you feel comfortable because the FAA inspects those planes. The electric utility industry, they write their own critical infrastructure protection standards. Uh, the enforcement mechanism is that they have to turn themselves in when they break their own standards that they wrote. Uh, they turn themselves into their own lobbying organization, NERC, uh, North American Energy Reliability Corporation, uh, mm -hmm. is, is the organization. NERC sets a fine, and they pay that fine back to their own industry coffers. Now, the electric utility industry has spent over a billion dollars, that's with a B, over the last 10 years lobbying Congress to prevent, for, to prevent any regulation. They like the status quo. They like being able to do whatever they want and the government not looking over their shoulder. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's just at the federal level. They're not including state. And so when you're sitting there asking, how could we be in this position? The government can't pay for it. Uh, they offer to pay for it, but uh, until there is a change in how the 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 legislation they have to give FERC, which is the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, uh, they have to give them legislative teeth to enforce different standards for NERC. So even if they did offer to pay for grid hardening, nothing's to say that NERC and the electric industry would actually follow through unless they were forced to. And mm -hmm. the electric industry doesn't want to be forced to do anything right and they don't they're not going to do it themselves because they'd have to raise electric rates to do right. that and i get that you know they don't want to do mm -hmm. that and so it's just we're in this situation where there's there's no one at the door there's there's no one looking over the shoulder of this happy electric utility industry i mean we saw what happened in texas here right with the with right. the cold snap that happened back in the 80s and the electric utility industry said oh well, you know that won't happen again uh, there's FERC makes recommendations mm -hmm. to NERC all the time. They just don't, most of the time, they don't do anything about it. It's a whole lot of acronyms and a whole lot of red tape, right? To do anything. Yeah, it, it is. Okay. It is. And the, that $1 billion, uh, almost every politician on both sides of the aisles takes that money. All the politicians that sit on the Department of Energy committees mm -hmm. and the, uh, the the electric utilities, and uh, they, they're all on the I hate to say on the payroll, but it's mm. just a matter of fact that yeah. they're taking money from these organizations and they're not they're not forcing them to to fix this problem. Absolutely. Uh, Jonathan Hollerman is the deputy director of the U.S. Task Force on National and Homeland Security, if you're just joining us. And this is a, a really important role because of the information he's looking at on a daily basis, because of the drills he's doing, because of, of the scenario of this happening. We don't realize how this would impact all of our lives in a, in a very negative way, uh, an EMP, but we're sitting ducks. And I played that border clip and uh, we, I mean, it's, it's from all angles, right? But I feel like something's coming. I feel like we're kind of being set up when they said, you know, we have lapses in intelligence. I thought that was kind of strange, um, but it, it's kind of this precursor to, hey, you know, if something big happens, whoops, um, you know, I, I guess it's our failure because we didn't do anything. But what about people? What about individuals? Because a lot of people out there are thinking, okay, they're not going to do anything. What about the individuals at hand? Solar? What about all these different different things that we can do? How, what are your thoughts and feelings on that? You're talking about on an individual mm -hmm. basis? Mm-hmm. So my, my first recommendation is, again, educate yourself on the threat. In the last hour, I mentioned that I wrote a 122-page report on the human psychology and physiology of starvation and human desperation. Uh, that's free. Uh, I, I highly recommend everyone download that from the EMP Task Force. You share it with your friends. Uh, 
it, it'll explain to you what is coming. So a lot of people operate in the, kind of their emergency preparedness in fear. They latch onto something. This is scary. And they run out and start spending money. Yeah. My opinion is you need to understand the world that you're going to be operating in. And you need to educate yourself more on the battlefield that you're going to be facing, just like any general getting ready for a battlefield before you start plopping down money and running out and buying a one-year food plan and put it in your basement because your basement in downtown Atlanta may not be the best place for that food. Oh, uh, if you're surrounded by millions of starving, desperate, you know, out of their mind people, mm-hmm. yeah, you can have a lot of food and water in your house, but mm-hmm. you're probably not going to keep it. Right, right. This week, we or last week, was it? We talked about 299 days. We've had Glenn Tate on the show, and he brings us through some some scenarios where all of a sudden the government's just going, okay, well, you know, the banks don't work. You can't go get your money, so we're just going to use that money for a while, and uh, you don't need it anyway. And then the other thing was, was we can come take your stuff because... You know, there are executive orders in place to do that. And, and we can. So you're going to want a place for the things that you store. Right. You're going to want to be kind of strategic about that. Right. I would imagine. Absolutely. Uh, I, I am a huge advocate. So, again, there's different ideas on what is general preparedness for a family. Uh, and we're talking again. Let's be blunt. We're talking mm-hmm. about worst case scenario. Yes. We're talking an end of civilization event with 90 percent of the American population dying. If your idea of preparedness is you know, putting three days of food and water in your basement for the next hurricane because you live in Florida, mm-hmm. that's great. But that's not kind of what I'm talking about. So yeah. let me put that caveat out there. But if there is a nationwide long-term event, the biggest threat to your long-term survival, water is not really hard to procure if you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the real threats is food and other people, uh, mm. other starving and desperate people. That's right. the real threat. Okay. Your best chance of survival is to get as far away from mass population centers as possible. If you have an right. Uncle Bob or an Uncle Charlie with a rural farm, yeah. maybe consider putting some of your stuff there. I do want to get to the Chinese and the Transformers, but let's take a quick caller from the audience. Go ahead, caller. You're on with Jonathan Hollerman. Yeah, hi, Jonathan. This is a great topic, Kate. Thanks for bringing this on. Sure. And, I, and I, you're, you're bringing home Mike. the point. I mean, it's if you're not able to get into a small group of people, I mean, this is literally the Walking Dead scenario. Mm-hmm. If you can't get into an enclave of people who are all going to protect each other, mm-hmm. you're history. I don't care what, how many guns you have. I don't care what you store at your house. I don't care if you're a generator, what you've got at your own place, people are going to know it and they're going to come and take it from you and they're going to destroy everything in the process of getting there. So if you don't have a place to go to where you can collect with a group of people, Mm -hmm. you're history. Mm. All right. Yeah, it's grim, but thank you for that. Uh, Jonathan, thoughts? No, I'm I'm actually going to agree with him in the sense that there are a lot of kind of quote, urban prepping YouTube channels that tell people, you know, spray paint your windows and mm-hmm. throw some trash out front, uh, put a six foot privacy fence around your backyard and mm-hmm. you're going to garden there. Like none of your neighbors are going to figure out that you're the only one not getting skinny. <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that you're the only one that's not, not a bad point. They're, they're mm-hmm. going to figure it out. Yeah. And so your best chance is to get away from these, the, these so, downtown areas and what the, mm-hmm. Caller was mentioning having a, what's called a survival retreat to fall back to. The average blue collar guy can't really afford mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. So, because of that, a lot of times they will push this urban prepping philosophy. And I, I reject that. I, I still think you have a better chance of survival going somewhere else and staying in the city. Milty has a question. Go ahead. You know, based on what you just said, though, if you live in a more rural area, 
How prepared do you have to be as a community to defend that rural area when people start leaving the urban areas looking for you? Mm. Sure. So uh, there's a great book on this topic called One Second After by William Forson, a New York York Times bestseller, bestselling author. It's a great book on this topic. And uh, that's kind of the premise of the book is that a small town bands together. Now, as a consultant, I also have a a consulting company. I've worked with over 500 high net worth families to uh, analyze their existing retreats and build them from the ground up. And Mm -hmm. two of my clients were mayors. Uh, I I worked with a small town mayor out in Utah, a Mm -hmm. town less than 500 people. He flew me out there. We spent two days. We looked at the cattle. We looked at the grain bins. Uh, We looked at every resource their town had after two days. three days of brainstorming we realize it's just not realistic it's we're, not going to happen we're going to come right back we're going to come sure. right back don't keep on that thought remember where you just broke off we're going to come right back and more with jonathan hollerman Whew, be right back hey guys if you love this show please follow this advice go text birch 989898 and text my name kate you're going to get some free information it's super important at least look it over And uh, I would not be telling you this if I didn't honestly believe this would help you, okay? They're going to help you with gold-backed security in the money you have out there, okay? And also, should you unload your money? What should you do? And depending on your age, there's different things. So please go do that. Text 989898 and text my name, Kate. Thanks, you guys. Talk lines are open now. Call 888-673-1450. This is the Kate Daly Show. bit of Skinnerd for you. Give me three steps. Welcome on back. And of course, visit our great sponsors. Prepare with Kate. Great sponsor. Uh, it goes to Patriot Supply. If you don't have anything, I would suggest you get some things. Um, and uh, they have the best deals. I mean, they have the best deals on the internet right now. Um, preparewithkate.com is the website. Also go to Birch. 989898, text that number and text my name, Kate, and get some options. I think that we only have a certain window for currency options as, as uh, digital currency is coming in, and Wells Fargo promised it'd be here in a few years. So please make sure and do something, at least try to get it solidified, and you could do that without any money out of your pocket. My gosh, what are you waiting for? Just at least take that step. 989898, text that number and text my name, Kate, K-A-T-E. I'd really appreciate that. And um, I care about you. I care. I have a lot of people ask me off the air about that. So we have Jonathan Hollerman in. We were just, uh, and he is the uh, deputy uh, director of the EMP task force for uh, Homeland Security. And it's he's got this amazing role. So he's the best person to ask questions. And we'll take your calls for sure. But finish your thought on small towns. I was mentioning before the break that I worked with a couple mm-hmm. heirs from small towns and they had brought me in to consult and they, they'd run one second after and they wanted to kind of set the town up before Good. a grid down event. And like I said, we, we looked at their ranching community, the, the amount of cattle they had, the grain bins, the, the, the town was like 500 people. And what we discovered at the end of that was that it, it just was not feasible to uh, they have to grow their own food and become self-reliant at some point. Right. And even if you, even if this happened in the spring and they've got potatoes and carrots and everything in the ground on day one, uh, it would be 75 days before 
you know, you can start harvesting that. And the average human eats 2,000 pounds of food, yeah. basically a metric ton of food every single year. So that town would have to bring in one and a half metric tons of food every day in a world with no food uh, to keep their population fed for those 75, 80, 90 days. So the, the problem is, is at the end of the day, if you can't feed your people, mm-hmm. you're not going to maintain control. If people are and I don't mean missing a meal or two. I'm right. talking about going weeks without food. If they start to starve to death, uh, they're, they're just so both towns uh, mm-hmm. decided not to to kind of move forward. Right. OK. OK. Well, inter- I'm glad they reached out. It gives me a little more faith in, in mayors that they're thinking ahead. We have a quick make it fast caller because we're running out of time in this uh, segment. Go right ahead, caller. Hey, I love what you guys are talking about today. Every year, me and my boys go do survival week. This was the exact scenario we had. My youngest came up with the EMP in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, we bought a solar panel, sourced everything out of an old truck. Wow, nice. You know, get your power going. We've done primitive weapons. and Nice. Uh, one thing that everyone should be having is beans and rice and salt because that's how our ancestors lived. Nice work. Thank you. Really appreciate that. Jonathan? Uh, beans and rice and salt uh, is absolutely our ancestors lived off that for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't have other things to mix with it, you're going to hate life after a month of eating <laughs> beans and rice and salt. But yes. I, but it, hey. it's better than starving to death. Yes. Uh, so yeah, you can stock up on the bare staples for not much money mm-hmm. if if you're working on a budget, and that's a good place to start. Yeah, ten bean soup. We were told ten bean soup is one of the things that you should probably mm-hmm. stock because it's cheap. Um, if you don't have any money. Um, but I love that he's he's training those kinds of skills because I just think that's amazing. And I don't see a lot of people doing that right now. Do you? But what a wonderful thing. Yeah, no, it, it, yeah. The, the life skills to live without electricity, they're mostly gone. And I know that I grew up hunting and fishing and I had a pretty high opinion of myself as a young man, <laughs> you know, as to what I could survive and what right, I could right. do. Yeah. But and there's right. a philosophy of people wanting to run off to the national forest. But you have to realize that even if you could convince me that you were raised by a pack of wolves in, in Alaska and you actually have the life skills to mm-hmm. live through a winter in the mountains or in the national forest parks mm-hmm. you can't convince me the other 99 percent of the yahoos running around there aren't going to kill you when they come across you you know the first time you mail a fire to warm up the first time you try and cook something uh you're going to be looking over your shoulder all the time so, so true. living off the land is not uh, an answer either you need to have a place to go to that is so true we need to talk chinese uh, transformers too we have about 40 seconds to kind of uh, hint at what you're going to be talking about if you want to lead into that it's a big question. Sure. Uh, so we talked earlier that most of our transformers for the last 25 years have come from South Korea and Germany, which are allied countries. Uh, there is a, n- a newer company in the last 10 years called JSHP out of California. Uh, it's a Chinese company, a JSHP in China. They have CCP ties and uh, the, the, the transformers are made over there and they are flooding the market. They're undercutting our allies' transformers mm. and they are selling them on the cheap. The electric utilities are buying them and there's a really nasty story behind this. So we'll pick it up oh, on the, the back end. Gosh. Yeah, I want to hear this. Uh, we're with Jonathan Hollerman. He is the deputy director of EMP Task Force Homeland Security. You're going to want to hear this. Be right back. Just park the car or just, uh, just wait. We'll be right back. <laughs> Kate Daly Show.